This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope you encounter God and walk in new levels of freedom as a result of listening to this message. Enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hopeland Church. I'm super excited to be preaching this morning um, or whenever you're checking this out. Uh, but here we go. We're in... Um, Part four of the re, of uh, deliverance, and today we're going to talk about the reality of spiritual warfare. Okay, so the reality of spiritual warfare. All right, um, we're talking about deliverance, so we much talk about this when it comes to walking in deliverance, being delivered, administering deliverance, um, and what the Bible says about warfare in in the Christian life. Okay. And so we're going to jump right in, okay? Uh, Father, we just thank you today. Thank you for your word. Speak to us, Lord. Uh, anoint this moment and, and allow us to be changed uh, today by your spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said amen. All right. How about we jump right in, okay? Um, so look it. Here we go. The entire basis of spiritual warfare is that the devil is defeated, okay? That's the basis. Um, that's where we start. And so when we when we talk about deliverance, we talk about um, living an overcoming life, living a victorious life. When we talk about, like last week, we talked about the, the authority of the believer. This is all tied in. I'm telling you, I, I don't think we can, if you're really listening to this and wanting to... Um, really learn and, and hear this word. I, I really believe like literally as a series, it's so important to hear this because there's layers to this. Talk about deliverance it's, it's a, and, and, and sanctification and, and uh, exercising your authority and just the reality of warfare when it comes to our spiritual life. Um, they, these go together and, and especially, I believe last week, authority of the believer, the reality of spiritual warfare, I think, they go in hand in hand. They can almost be one message, okay? Um, but let's do this, all right? So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. We're gonna jump in and really just um, start here concerning the victory, okay? So when we talk about spiritual warfare, we must speak about um, the victory, okay? The, the position of who we are, really. And this is kind of tying into uh, the believer's authority, okay? So, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, and it reads, uh, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. All right? But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Okay, so the cross. Talk about spiritual warfare. Let's talk about the cross. Everything the cross represents. The message, it says here, of the cross. So what does that mean? Everything that happened there, that moment in time, what Jesus did for us, we must start there, okay? And what happened there? It is the power of God, okay? Uh, we read last week, all right, that for this purpose was the Son of God made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil over our life, not for him. Jesus did not die for himself nor did he die to better his life, right? Or did he die somehow, this is the way for God to overcome the devil. No, he 
he defeated the devil on our behalf for us, okay? And so here's another verse real quick here, um, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Now, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph, all right? This is the basis of our faith in, in the sense that when we talk about warfare, we must talk about the basis. It's triumph, it is victory, and it is the cross is the power of God, okay? Um, it's not our effort, it's not what we do, it's not how much we know, it's not even with, it doesn't begin with our own revelation. No, we must return to the cross. We must remember the cross. This is what communion's all about. Do this in remembrance of me, right? Here, you know, my body was broken for you. Uh, this is the new covenant in my blood. This is the basis of spiritual warfare. We must start there. That's where we stand. That's the place in which we trust. It's the message of the cross, okay? So once again, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. Uh, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Say this with me if you will. The cross is the power of God for me. Say this with me. God always leads us in triumph. Okay, say it again this way. Say, God always leads me in triumph. Okay, hallelujah. So here's my first point. We're talking about spiritual warfare, the reality of it. I know this is simple, but we got to keep it simple, right? Remember the cross, okay? When you are going through something, the devil is tempting you. Um, you, you you're having emotions or feelings about, you're, you're doubting, you're, you're struggling, you're, you, what, you know, whatever it is, you, you feel like you're somehow, you know, you're, 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 you're like maybe even sensing or perceiving, okay, this is a spiritual attack. Remember the cross, okay? Remember the blood of Jesus. Remember what he did. Remember what he said on the, it is finished, okay? And so look at, this is, this, is, this is why we must do this because this is the truth. That is where it was won for us, okay? So victory, I'm gonna read from my notes now. I'm just gonna give you some, give you some thoughts here with respect to this. We're gonna talk about the reality of spiritual warfare and we are but we must start here. Victory is not circumstantial, okay? It's not. Biblical victory, the, the cross, is, it is not circumstantial to believers. It, it is not progressive. We don't progress in victory, okay? Now, I know sometimes the language of victory is used, but just let me talk about the cross here. It's done, okay? It is not progressive nor do we earn it through religious ritual um, or through any merit or work of our own, okay? Victory has been won. He always leads us in triumph. This is our position, okay? We don't earn, nor do we graduate to levels of victory. None, there, none of that is in the scripture, okay? This is, uh, the cross is the power of God. Okay, um, another portion of scripture in speaking of the cross, it says, it says triumphing over them in it. 
principalities and powers through the cross, okay? Made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, this is Christ now, triumphing over them in it and through the cross. Okay, here it is, biblical victory with respect to the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is absolute, is eternal. It transcends time, space, trial, struggle, affliction, and persecution. Victory is absolute. Victory is eternal. Victory is something God did for us in Christ. It is done. That is our basis. We, when we approach a circumstance, when we address demonic powers, we are coming from the basis of victory being won and the devil being destroyed, okay? Can I get an amen out there today? Okay, the death, burial, resurrection, the ascension of Christ at the right hand of the throne of God on high, the sending of the Holy Spirit. This is, that is the foundation of faith. It's the foundation of our faith. That is where we fight from. That is where we live from. That is what we draw from. The message of the cross is the power of God. Okay, let's not, we're not getting anything else till we establish that here today. And so this is the gospel, the cross, Christ, our authority given to us, the authority given to us by him. It is about everything that God has done. We must start there in anything, in everything in life, in, in, our, in our study of the word, we must start with God, what he has done. The scriptures say, Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God, right? If you, if you even study um, Paul's letters, right? They, they, they always start with God. They, they start with what God has done. If you just study Ephesians, it starts, the first three chapters are all about the gospel story. And then it leads into our story, our lifestyle. How do we walk this out now, right? Come on, somebody, say amen. Galatians, it's the same way. It, it, it just starts with what God has done, who God is, what he has done. And then it kind of lead, le leads us into our lifestyle, the fruit of the spirit, the works of the flesh. But even in his writing to, to the Galatian church, same way. Romans, the same way. Romans, the same way. This is God. This is what he has done. He has, you know, we, we all need righteousness. He has provided righteousness. Right, and then it gets into the results of righteousness and sanctification and all that. But that's later on in the letter. So, so even in our teaching of warfare, we must start with God. And here it is. My next point is this: What am I saying? The victory has been secured. All right. Let me say it again for the people in the back. When we talk about warfare, we talk about deliverance. We talk about the devil. We expose his works and whatever it is. We must start here. The victory has been secured. The word victory in the Greek is the Greek word Nike. It's where you get the word Nike. Um, I haven't done a study on the, on the brand Nike, but I'm assuming that's where they got it, okay? It means victory in the Greek, Nike, okay? The victory has been secured. Always, always refers, this is the definition. It's not my definition, it's a biblical definition, that's what it means. Always refers to the conquest accomplished for the believer by Christ. So victory isn't something I'm reaching for, I'm striving for. I'm, I, no, no, biblical victory, I don't strive for victory. 
I don't strive for it. I, I understand we're going to get into warfare. We're going to get into the fight. We're going to get into the fight of faith and all this and that. But we must understand. We must know this. We must know this. Victory is something Jesus did for humanity. It's not something we do for God. Okay? Uh, always, always refers to the conquest accomplished for the believer by Christ. Death cannot exert conquest over the believer. Okay, the, the devil cannot exert conquest over the believer. Satan cannot exert conquest. Victory has been won. We are led in triumph. Okay, so the results of Christ's conquest, and this is what it says in the definition as well, uh, the results of Christ's conquest come through faith. They are transferred by grace to the regenerated believer. So by grace, through faith, we are victorious, period. Doesn't matter what comes or goes, come hell or high water, it doesn't change victory because it's already been done. Uh, come on now, he was crucified before the foundation of the world, folks. God put this in the whole system of our existence. Victories won through Christ. Hallelujah, every time. Every time, all the time, of all time. Okay, I'm not striving, I'm not hoping for victory one day. Uh, in truth, victory is mine because of Christ. Victory over the devil. Hallelujah. Is warfare reality? Yes, but victory is secured. Okay, let's go to another verse here. Here we go. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, 54. I'm going to read quickly. I'm going to read all the way to verse 58. And here we go. So, when this corruptible, speaking of our earthly vessel, our body, this corruptible has put on incorruption. We are speaking of eternity now. We are speaking of after this life, okay? And this mortal has put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting, O Hades, or Sheol, Gehenna, Infierno, uh, for the Latinos, right? O Hades, where is your victory? Verse 56, the sting of death is sin, meaning sin stung Adam, and we inherited iniquity. We are born into sin, shaped in iniquity, and the strength of sin is the law. The law came to show everybody, y'all are a bunch of sinners. You can't help but do wrong. Verse 57 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, Hallelujah, victory has been secured. It has been secured, all right? So what now? Therefore, my beloved brethren, this is verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. So because of what he has done. So now let's talk about what we do. Come on, somebody. 
But we must first talk about what he has done. What he has done. He initiated. He died for us. He came for us. He forgave our sin. He was whipped on his back. He received the thorn in his in his head, the thorns in his head. He allowed the nails to be put through his hands. He allowed the nails in his feet. He died on the cross. He, he himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross. Hallelujah. By his stripes, we were healed. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, now what? All right. Look at your neighbor. Say, now what? Here it is. Look at your neighbor. Say, therefore. Okay. Therefore. Um, if you see therefore in the Bible, you need to know what it's there for. Therefore, my beloved brethren. Now, what do we do? What do we do? Here we are. What do we do? Jesus has done it. He finished it. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Here's my next point. This is spiritual weapon number one. Okay, spiritual weapon number one is keep walking. Okay, I don't have a spiritual weapon number two today. I got a spiritual weapon number one though. And I'm I'm, I'm, going to break this down here, but you got to keep walking. Look at, that's the answer. Look at this, be immovable. What does that mean, immovable? Keep moving. That's what it's saying, keep moving. Keep it pushing. All right, look at somebody say, keep it pushing. Jesus won the victory. He already did it all. He did it all. Come on now, keep moving. Stay, you know, abound in the work of the Lord. Do what you're called to do. Keep walking, keep walking. You know the walls of Jericho, they fell. They fell due in part to the fact that they simply kept walking. There was clear directives. Didn't even open their mouth at one point. They, they, then they shouted, right? But but what did they do? They, they, they just kept walking. They were just obedient, kept walking. Can you imagine? Okay, we're gonna walk around this again. We're gonna walk around this again. We're gonna do it again. Come on now, keep walking. We're gonna get into this. Spiritual weapon number one, you gotta keep moving. You just gotta keep it pushing. You gotta stay obedient. You gotta stay in the will of God. You just gotta stay in it. Don't give up. Spiritual weapon number one, don't give up. Spiritual weapon number one, get back up. Spiritual weapon number one, keep moving. Spiritual weapon number one, stay in the work of the Lord. Spiritual weapon number one, be steadfast. Spiritual weapon number one, remain. Spiritual weapon number one, uh, have some stubbornness about you as far as the will of God. Have some grit about you. Have some have some stick to it itness. That's not a word, but it, it is now. Have some stick to itness, right? Come on now, um, Ecclesiastes, right? Um, I won't read this whole verse, but it, it, I'll put it up there just so you know where it's at. But Ecclesiastes nine eleven says, "The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong." Look at somebody and tell them, "Keep walking, keep walking, keep walking." Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, right? Therefore, be immovable. Therefore, be steadfast. Therefore, always abound in the work of the Lord, right? So so walking represents patient continuance, all right? Walking represents spiritual continuance. There is something in the scripture that correlates our literal walk with God on the earth. Our, our, our journey with God, our obedience to God with simply just walking. It's walking, okay? And, and when it correlates running, it, it, it's, it's stating that it's, it's an endurance run. This thing is long distance. This is not a sprint, okay? Um, so, it, you know, spiritual growth 
and our walk with God is not typified in Scripture with a ladder. We're not, we're not climbing to the success of things. This is not what our spiritual life is represented by. It's represented by walking. It's represented by walking. You know, um, it represents even the seemingly mundane day-to-day drudgery and walk of obedience with God, okay? Um, this isn't about um, getting to a place or, you know, like this in the scripture, time and time again, when it speaks of our journey on the earth with God, more times than not, it is spoken in the framework and language of simply walking, right? And and this right here, this is, I believe, in the context of what we're talking about here, it is your greatest spiritual weapon, okay? Is to keep walking, all right? The Bible says this, look at this. I'm gonna read from my notes. Uh, uh, just a, a number of different ways that the scripture states um, and references walking in different ways, okay? It says, you know, walk in the spirit, walk in love, walk circumspectly, or really that means to just walk the narrow path, okay? Walk in the light, walk as children of light, walk in newness of life, walk properly as in the day. We walk by faith. Uh, the scripture encourages us to walk worthy of the calling. Let me encourage you today, folks. Keep walking. Psalm 23, 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Walk. Keep walking. Though I walk through. What is spiritual warfare? The overcoming life, victorious life of a believer. Look at you are gonna run into trial. You are gonna have affliction. There is going to be persecution. There is gonna be hard days. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. All right, keep walking. We got to walk through. And, and look at, here it is. It doesn't say run frantically through the valley of the shadow of death. Freak out in the valley of the shadow of death. Camp out in the shadow of death. Uh, you know, uh, you know, absorb all the drama and trauma you're walking through right now and make it your identity. No, it just says walk through it. Keep walking. Keep walking. If you're going through hell, keep walking. If you're going through Sheol, Hades, Gehenna, <laughs> keep walking. Keep walking. All right. Hallelujah. Look at this. Second Corinthians 4 7. The reality of spiritual warfare. The reality of spiritual warfare. First Corinthians 4, verse 7, all the way to verse 10. Four to, four to, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7 to 10. But we have this treasure on earth and vessels. Somebody say victory. The Holy Spirit, Christ in us. We are partakers of the divine nature. 
We are temples of the Holy Spirit. We are temples of the living God. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are. Somebody say the reality of spiritual warfare. We are. Somebody say again, the reality of spiritual warfare. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Verse 10, always, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. The reality of spiritual warfare. Here it is, my next point. With the treasure comes trials. The reality of spiritual warfare. If you have this treasure in your earthen vessel, you will have trial. You can't have presence without pressure. You can't have glory without persecution. You can't have treasure without trial. You can't have spiritual depth without moments of despair. You can't have a calling from God without conflict. This is the reality of the Christian life. This is the reality of the warfare we must walk through. This is the reality of Christ in us and us being in a fallen world. But I'm here to tell you right now that the victory has already been won. The victory has already been secured by Christ on that cross through his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, Hallelujah. And the sending of the Holy Spirit, making us temples, depositing the divine treasure in us. Praise be to God. The victory is won. And you simply just need to keep walking. Hallelujah. Second Timothy chapter two, verse three to four. You therefore must, somebody say must, you must endure hardship as a good soldier. Must, requisite, required, have to, can't avert it, can't avoid it, must, the reality of spiritual warfare. You therefore must endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Come on somebody. Come on, somebody. You must, 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 must. We are hard-pressed, but not forsaken. We must endure hardship. Uh, I believe the King James Version says hardness. It ain't gonna be easy all the time. Hallelujah, but you just need to keep walking. I said you just need to keep walking. You just need to keep walking. Keep walking. Keep seeking the Lord. Keep praying. Keep pressing into God. Stay in fellowship with other believers. Here we go. First Timothy chapter one, verse 18. First Timothy 1, 18. This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, 
according to the prophecies previously made concerning you. Previously. Previous season. Previous time. Before, not now. Sometimes you're in warfare now. You're going through it now. Timothy was going through it now. And Paul was encouraging his spiritual son, his son in the faith. And he was saying, man, son Timothy, check it out, man. According to the prophecies previously made concerning you. So this is specific. It was personal. It's personal word. It was something personal, something for him, something for him, okay? Uh, that was the positive. Made concerning you. Here it is. That by them, you may wage the good warfare. By them, you may wage the good warfare. Let me encourage you with this. Okay, here's my next point. Okay, you must hold to what God has said. Okay, here it is. Because he's talking about warfare. He's talking about warfare. He's talking about going through something. Spiritual attack, persecution. Bottom line. This young man serving the Lord was going through warfare. And his mentor, his apostle, his spiritual leader, his pastor, his spiritual father was saying, hey, listen to this. What has God already told you? Hold on to that. Let me say it this way. Hold on to what God has already said. Okay? So, with this, I believe when we go through warfare, when we go through things, many times, if we're honest, we want God to speak to us prophetically again, like right now, I need a word, God. And I'm not saying there's necessarily anything wrong with that per se, okay? That you are desiring God to speak to you, okay? But here in this context, right, Paul is saying, you wage war, Timothy, according to what God has already said, all right? And so sometimes we miss it because we're searching for God to speak to us in a way that we want because of the pressure, because of the situation. And Paul is telling Timothy, not nah, check it out, Timothy, you gotta take authority here. You gotta pick up that sword yourself of what God has already said and you wage war according to what God has said. You hold to what God has said. You speak what God has already said, all right? And so many times we're wanting to hear a new word from God, and God's like, you need to work with work the word I already gave you. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen out there? What has God already said? Have you stewarded? what God has already said well. Have you worked and, 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 and prayed and declared and held on to and meditated on what he has already said or you just got that filed away somewhere? Have you got some dusty weapons that you haven't pulled out because you're wanting, you're wanting to have another prophetic word now or whatever it is. Come on here, listen to me folks. And, and, and sometimes in these situations, come on now, God's like, nah, I already spoke to you. Engage in warfare with what I told you already, okay? We have to, here, this is the reality of spiritual warfare. We have to war today with what God 
told us yesterday, okay? We, we got to engage in what God has already said, okay? Many times if I'm discouraged, if I'm going through something, if I'm going through a spiritual battle, if you will, um, I, I got to pull out what God has already said. I got to start declaring what God's already said. I got I to gotta pull out my journal where, I, where, I, where God has spoken to me, things that I can remember, things that I, I will forget if I don't. And I, and I flip through it and I start to pray and declare what God has already said. Come on, somebody. This is, this is it right here. You have to go to war with what God has already said. Second Corinthians 10.1, all the way to verse six. We're gonna read this. Uh, I don't think we could talk about warfare and not share this verse here. There's so much here. I mean, I could spend a whole day just on this portion of verses, but we're just gonna read through it and, and just, just see this here with respect to warfare. And then we're gonna pray, all right? Then we're gonna pray. And so uh, I, I, before we go into that, let me just let me just go through, go through our points today. I just wanna really... Get this in your spirit with respect to the reality of spiritual warfare. Remember the cross. Remember the cross. Remember the cross. Never stray from the cross, folks. Never stray. Exert the victory that he's won. Declare what he has done, okay? It's not about us. It's about what he has done. Um, and, and as a result of that, right, the victory has been secured. Spiritual weapon number one, keep walking. Walk it out. Keep walking. Um, and we must, we must realize, we must know this, uh, that with the treasure comes trials. All right. And the last point is, you know, hold to what God has said. Hold to what God has already said. God will require that of us. I'm telling you, let me say it again. God will require that of us. He, he will require that of us. All right. Second Corinthians 10, 1. All the way to verse six. Now I, Paul, myself, am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent and bold toward you. I love this because as a spiritual leader, I love reading when Paul's writing to these churches and just how open he was, how vulnerable he was, how real he was, um, how just in tune with his own weakness and himself as a person, he wasn't trying to exert some type of dominance or some fallacy of what spiritual authority is. He's like, man, in presence, I'm lowly, and being absent, I'm bold, <laughs> right? Like he's just being honest about his relationship with this community. And if and in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, those books are really, I mean, uh, there's a lot in these, right? It's made these, these, these books have, are just rich with revelation and, and doctrine, but um, they really cover like the problems in the church, and Corinth had some problems. And so he's really just trying to bring some order. Um, there were other writings that came to Corinth even after uh, canonical books were, were, were sealed or even, you know, other bishops. Um, there's, 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 a, there's a letter uh, from Clement, who was an early church bishop, who presumably is the very Clement that Paul mentions in one of his letters that he wrote to Corinth and trying and advising them. This is after Paul is now gone, but um, advising them, and that this isn't canonical, it's just history, but advising them to, to submit to their spiritual authority given the issue, like trust your leadership and stuff like that. 
And so, um, so anyway, it just seems like this church seemed in, in history, even in history, um, documented history concerning Corinth at this time and shortly thereafter, the book of Acts in that period, um, just a church with a lot of problems and issues. And so I, I love to read it because it's like um, no church is perfect. No local community is perfect. And we have to learn how to work through our issues together, work through them and and get better and do things that are honoring to God and, and walk through our stuff. And um, I love I love the humanity that you see in the story of this community in First Second Corinthians. All right, so verse two, sorry, side note, but verse two, but I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold with what confidence, for, with that confidence by which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Okay, verse three, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural. They're not created. They are not flesh and blood, right? They, but mighty in God. Okay, so, so we have weapons. This is what this is saying. These weapons are mighty in God. So the devil is defeated. But we must engage and enforce what Christ has done. That's why. Now we're going back to delegated authority. He delegated it. So when he gives authority to the church, we must use it. Okay, just because Christ has finished it doesn't mean we just lay back and allow the devil, the devil to tempt and draw us away into sin. We must resist him. We must use our weapons that are mighty in God in prayer, the word of God. It's one, but we have a responsibility to enforce it. We're ambassadors. We are representatives of, of heaven. The devil is the God of this world. He's defeated. His fate is sealed. But he has a time on this earth to tempt and deceive. And we must refuse him. We must rebuke, renounce him, and enforce what Christ has done. Okay? He's delegated it but we must walk in it, right? So the, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down. There, there, this, this insinuates, okay, victory's won, but we must pull down strongholds. We, in Christ, we must, verse five, casting down arguments. Speaking of thought patterns, ungodly ways of thinking, unscriptural ways of thinking, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So we have won the absolute victory or have it won by Christ, but we are in a fallen world where the devil is seeking whom he may devour, right? And so he is against 
the word of God. He is against the Holy Spirit. He is against the love of Jesus. He is against purity. He is against holiness. We must engage and cast down strongholds. We must pull down strongholds, cast down arguments, right? And everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, that's where the warfare is, thought into captivity. So our will, we must use our weapons, the word, the Holy Spirit, prayer, worship, praise, all that good stuff, and bring them into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience, not people, not ourselves, but to enforce victory over this stuff when our obedience is fulfilled. Hallelujah. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for the victory. And I just pray, God, that we through this word would be encouraged to engage, encouraged to learn and to develop spiritually in our weapons that are mighty in God, the word of God. Lord, the blood of Jesus, the, 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 the spirit of God, the, the, the community of believers, Lord, that we have spiritual weapons. I pray that we walk in this, that we would have revelation of this, that we would learn to walk this out. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody said amen. I hope you enjoyed the message. And my prayer is that you will change your world as a result. If you're ever in the LA area, Join us for one of our weekend gatherings and don't forget to follow us on social media. Peace.